On this edition of the Midco Sports Network podcast, we talk all things UND hockey and detail what the new college hockey season might look like with Grand Forks Herald beat writer Brad Schlossman. College administrators also are looking around and saying the NHL bubble worked, the NBA bubble worked, the MLS bubble worked. Then you you look at college basketball and and they're starting to look at bubbles during that same time period. That seems to be the popular idea at the moment. Welcome to the Midco Sports Network podcast. Here's your host, Alex Heinert. Yes, welcome to another edition of the Midco SN podcast. I'm Alex Heinert with you on a Monday morning, September the 14th, getting ready for, well, I would be getting ready for the start of a college hockey season, which typically would kick off at the beginning of October this year, though. Not the case. We, of course, found out last week that the NCHC and as well as the rest of college hockey, both D1, D3, men's, women's, etc., have all moved back the start of the season until late November, at least at the earliest, at least. Some of the schools have said they're not going to play till January. Obviously, the Ivy League schools had made that announcement a long time ago. The latest development is that all of the college hockey conferences have now said we are going to join in and not begin play on time. And that's a big deal. Obviously, October 3rd was projected to be UND Hockey's opener against Manitoba, the exhibition game. And then we're going to follow that with a home and home with Bemidji State on the weekend of October 9th and 10th. Those games are now off the calendar, as are the rest of the games in October and the first two weeks of November. The NCHC has said November the 20th is their projected start date. They would love to be able to complete the first a, a truncated first half of a season, but they'd love to complete that first half conference play only at this point, beginning that week before Thanksgiving. To sift through all of this as we get ready for the start of a hockey season, who better to talk to than Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald, now in his 15th season of covering UND hockey. Brad's always got the pulse on what's happening with that program. And so just to get back to some X's and O's and just talking about personnel and new additions to Brad Berry's team, normally we'd be doing like season previews and now of course the season itself isn't going to start for a couple additional months a little later than we thought it was going to but we thought this would be a fun idea just to chat about what's going on with the program and get excited about hockey again forget about the schedule forget about what maybe is going to happen forget about all the the delays the end of last season we're just going to focus in this podcast on what this team is bringing back because they are bringing back a ton from a group that was the number one team in the country top ranked in pairwise they retained 73 percent of their scoring from last year their two top goalies you could argue you know four of their top defensemen are all back there's a lot that they're going to have to replace, of course, and Brad and I will get into that, but it's a loaded UND team, and we really cannot wait for the season to get started. Our MidQSN coverage is going to include live games. All the home games this year, as planned, will be live on our airwaves. Plus, we're going to continue on with North Dakota Hockey with Brad Barry, or North Dakota Hockey Central, as we're calling it now, our weekly show where we sit down with Coach and get all the details on what's happening around the program. All those things are going to take place whenever the season starts, whether that's the end of November, the start of January, whenever hockey is going to be played. We're going to have it covered on Midco SN. So we wanted to, again, take a little time with Brad today. Just get you caught up to speed. It's, it's good to look back and kind of remember. I even forgot, again, some of the things that were going on last year. And I was at all these games. So just to refresh your memory on what's happening with the program and to get you excited about hockey again whenever it starts. Here now, my conversation with Grand Forks Herald beat writer, Brad Schlossman. It is a pleasure to be joined by Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald on a Monday morning, September the 14th. Brad? I guess, first of all, how, how are you? You had uh, surgery last week. It's kind of been an eventful start to September for you, buddy. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I picked the perfect week to do it. I could sit at home and uh, 
uh, watch the U.S. Open tennis tournament from uh, morning to night and not even have to have any excuses for not doing anything. So uh, <laughs> I'll remember that in the future, uh, that that was a, a glorious way to spend some uh, recovery time watching. Uh, really, it, it's it's a crazy sports time mm-hmm. with everything going on. Like I, I was reading something about the ratings being down in sports, and I was like, well, I mean, Thursday night, I had the U.S. Open semifinals, um, NHL conference finals, uh, NBA conference finals, Major League Baseball uh, pennant race games, the NFL opener, and uh, college football, the the Miami Hurricanes were playing. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course they're down. I mean, we're trying to, you know, never before have all these sporting events converged at once. So it's... uh, it's kind of uh, crazy getting all these sporting events back uh, right now. Yeah, it's so funny. You go from nothing to almost too many. You really, you really yeah. can't watch everything right now. But a good, a good problem to have to be able to pick and choose. We're spoiled for choice at this point in uh, 2020. Uh, well, I'm glad your recovery is going well. I'm glad you've had some time to be able to just enjoy everything that's been going on the last couple of days and last couple of weeks, really, in the sports world. Uh, one thing that is unfortunately not going to be joining all these other sporting events that are happening is is college hockey as we know that the season's been delayed a bit we're going to talk about what that means and what the 2020-21 season might look like in terms of what opponents are going to be on the schedule what games are going to be played how is this all going to work we'll talk about that in a bit first though uh, let's talk about how this UND team is looking. You had a chance and kind of devoted a good chunk of your summer to going to these summer captains practices over at the Ralph uh, a couple times a week just to see, you know, with the new freshmen coming in and so much of the team coming back. I think you do this again just to kind of get a beat on what's happening with this group. And obviously they were so effective last season. Just talk about what you saw this summer and maybe your top takeaways from these summer practices from this UND squad. Yeah, you know, I... I the, the last few years, the guys have all come in during the summer like this, and they uh, kind of skate on their own um, at different times during the day. And usually, you know, it, it's summer skates. You know, they, they're not checking. They're, you know, defense is optional. Forwards are playing D. It's just kind of a uh, getting the legs going type of game. And uh, I, so I usually don't ever write about it. But I figure, you know, we had not had sports for a while. And so I, I ended up writing a lot more about it this year. And so that was definitely different. But it, it seemed that uh, hockey fans uh, enjoyed uh, having something to read about uh, other than cancellations and, and, and the virus and whatnot. So, yeah. Oh, we were living uh, for those updates, Brad. We were living for those daily <laughs> updates, man. Well, it was fun to be out there. And, you know, it was just kind of uh, after everything, uh, how, how last season ended and, and the, the vacuum of sports that we had, it, it was fun going out there and seeing some actual action. And, of course, the first thing I think uh, everyone, including myself, does when they see a, the, the team is you want to look to see how the new guys look and how the new guys are fitting in. Um, we have a pretty good baseline of the returning guys. Uh, of course, the other thing is which guys look like they could make a jump. Um, but you, you really want to see how the new guys fit in. Uh, the, the very first practice I went to, I was like, my goodness, Jake Sanderson is good. Holy yeah. cow. Um, just he's, he's so smooth and he, he's such a good skater that uh, and it doesn't look like he's overextending himself when he skates. He, he's kind of one of those guys that just is natural, right? Like mm. he's just smooth. And 
Um, the, the way when UND's rushing the puck up the ice, how he can just kind of knife through the neutral zone and, and gain the offensive blue line uh, on his own. And in the way when he has the puck at the point and he's under duress, he makes good, quick, simple decisions. You know, a lot of times when a, a defenseman may turn over the puck because a forward's uh, right on him and taking away his time, he just makes it look so simple to find an open guy and move the puck. And so many times it resulted in a goal for his team. Just really, really impressed with, with him. And, uh, you know, I think everyone was thinking he was going to be good, but uh, he, he certainly looks like a guy who is... Uh, you know, ready to step into a really big role. And, and, and the way he defends, too, you know, because he's such a good skater, he just doesn't get beat very often, and, and he can win some puck battles along the, the end wall. So uh, special player coming here. He's going to be able to play big minutes right away. And, and the other big takeaway for me was Tyler Clevin, the other defenseman. And everything I had heard about Tyler Clevin was he had uh, – Great potential, just uh, massive potential. He he has a, a big body. He's physical, but I also heard he was a project. Like it's going to happen. He's going to be a really good player, but it's going to take time. He's he's awkward, things like that. And what I found during that month and a half was not at all. Um, he was far more polished than what I had heard. He was very good defensively. And, and, and the thing I think that I never saw in the scouting reports is he's skilled. It, everything mm. was, was like he's a big physical guy. He's going to hit guys a ton, but not a lot of offense. And from what I saw, and keep in mind it's summer skate, but he has some very good offensive abilities. He's a good skater. He's confident. Uh, you know, he, he's got an extremely heavy shot. But just the way that, you know, he can skate the puck up into the zone and, and he can kind of turn and lose guys. And he's got really good hands. You know, a couple of times I saw him walk by a guy just with good hands. And I'm like, this is the guy people are saying is kind of awkward and doesn't have offensive upside. That's, that's not at all what I'm seeing here. So um, when, when the draft comes along in October and you see those reports, uh that's not what I saw. I saw a guy who maybe is not right away going to be put into a lot of offensive situations just because they have so many guys. But he's a guy that is going to be a very good offensive defenseman at the college level. And so uh, that, that was the other really big surprise for me. Jake Sanderson is projected to be a top 10 pick. Uh, I think number four skater, uh, according to the North American skater rankings or whatever the last time those came out. Tyler Clevin's probably a... Probably a second rounder is what it looks like. Um, those are two of four incoming freshman defensemen that Bradbury's brought in, along with Mitchell Miller, who's supposed to be probably in that maybe third, fourth round range, someplace in there. And then Cooper Moore, who was drafted last year by the Red Wings in the fifth round. So uh, really four guys who are all going to be NHL guys, at least in terms of draft picks, are coming in. Three forwards as well. Um, we haven't got as much buzz about the forwards because these guys aren't supposed to be drafted as high or won't be drafted at all. But... Reese Gabers, the reigning USHL player and forward of the year. Griffin Ness is, is another just solid guy that's going to do a lot of things for this UND team. And then Brendan Booty is a kid who played a semester at Denver, went back to juniors for a bit, and now is, is coming back into North Dakota to kind of pick up sort of where he left off from this junior campaign. The forward group is pretty good as well that this group is yeah. going to join. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and, and part of the thing is with my summer uh, reports is these guys weren't here all summer. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were some issues getting uh, the Canadian kids who didn't have X amount of credits over the border um, at the time that everyone else came. So Gaber and Booty were very late there, so I didn't have as big of a sample size. Ness wasn't there on time, but I had a little bit bigger sample size. But you're right. If uh, First of all, uh, Gaber is uh, not draft eligible anymore. So he's not going to come in with that draft pedigree. However, in talking to scouts, they told me if he was still draft eligible, he would absolutely be getting picked, despite mm. being 5'8 or 5'9, whatever he is. He would absolutely be getting drafted this year. And they're already marking him down as one of those guys who everyone's going to want to sign. He's going to be a, a free agent. And so to be five, eight or nine, whatever they're going to list him as, he's not big. Um, and and to, to, to have NHL teams super interested in you tells you the skill level you must have. And so I, I saw a little bit of that in, in the short time I was able to see him. He's a guy who can really uh, score when he gets chances. He's He's got a great shot. Pretty, pretty good uh, skater, uses his edges really well. Um, and, you know, so I, I you know, he's going to step in and play a pretty big uh, role right away. Uh, maybe the guy who uh, up front was one of the big surprises of the summer skates was Griffin Ness because he's another guy who's going to be undrafted. He's not going to come in with a lot of acclaim. And he's a guy. I'm trying to think of how to ex- how to describe him because he's not flashy. He's not going to like jump off the page with his speed. His shot isn't, you know, a blistering shot like a Clevin or even a Gaber. Um, he's not overly physical. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of Weston Mashad. He wears the same number, so yeah. maybe that's what, why that name is in my head. But. You know, Weston didn't have a blistering shot. He, he wasn't going to torch anyone with his speed, uh, but he just got it done. And that's what Gabriel, or sorry, that's what Ness kind of reminds me of. Every time he had a scoring chance almost, he put it away. Like, he's one of those guys who just has a knack for uh, scoring goals. He's got a good skill level. He, he plays 200 feet, and to me... It's going to be really tough to crack this lineup this year because so many guys are back who have already earned that spot. He's going to be an everyday guy, uh, based on what I saw. I, you know, I just don't know how you take that out of your lineup. A guy who's a 200 foot player and just, ha- you know, when he gets looks, he just scores. You know, maybe he's a guy who jumps in where Cole Smith was with uh, mm-hmm. Gavin Hain and Mark Senden because that line was so good with puck possession. Uh, that they generated a lot of scoring chances. And all of a sudden you get a guy who plays a similar style to those guys and, and maybe I'll pop a few of those chances. You know, I, that, that's one uh, uh, thought I had watching him is he may be a fit with uh, Sendin and uh, Hain on that line. Well, Sendin and 
Ness go way back. They were teammates at YZ and won yeah. a state championship together a couple of years ago. So there would be some chemistry there if that would be the choice. Obviously, Cole Smith, those are big skates to fill. And just his physicality and his intensity and all the little things that he did. He's one of seven players that will not be on the team in 2020 that were in the team the previous season. You talk about Colton Pullman, of course, a two-year captain. Mashad, who you just mentioned, who came in from CC and was really productive. 16 goals, 12 assists last year. Dixon Bowen, who did, again, so many little things. Great on the penalty kill, a great energy guy. Andrew Pesky, who just got better and better over the course of his time at UND at the back. And then Casey Johnson, who was so versatile, could play in the, in the front, in the back, kind of do whatever for you. Those seniors have all moved on. Johnny Tyconic has transferred, has moved on to Omaha, and he'll be eligible this season. Johnny, of course, maybe didn't quite hit the heights that people expected for being a second-round draft pick, but still provided a lot from the defensive ends. And it'll be interesting to see how Bradbury replaces some of those guys. I think you would probably agree, though, the Cole Smith role is the toughest one of that group to replace yeah. because he was so unique. And Cole Smith's, Cole Smith's just don't grow on trees. You don't just bring in a kid like that with that type of physical skill set and that type of ability in every recruiting class. So that's interesting. You think maybe Ness could fill at least some of that role coming this next year. Yeah, you hit that on the head. Like, I mean, Colton Pullman is a very elite player. Um, but, the you know, you said the word unique. And Cole Smith is one of those unique guys where in 15 years of covering the team, I just... I haven't seen a guy like Cole Smith. Like he's su- he was such had such a unique skill set, and he was so good at it that I I just I, I haven't seen a Cole Smith before, and I don't know when I'm going to see another Cole Smith. So um, th- those are shoes that cannot be filled. Uh, but you you try to find a guy who best uh, uh, could you know, move in with those guys, it's going to be different. Just like I said, because you don't have that element where, you know, uh, you lose the puck and Cole Smith says, okay, I'm going to get the puck back. And he just <laughs> does it because he wants to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was, he was such a, a freak out there on the ice. He was, uh, you know, and you know, what a, like you said, Cole Smith's don't grow on trees. It, in fact, it, I, I, uh, uh, someone was telling me that a, a college coach came up to him, uh, a, a, a talent evaluator, and said, I want a Cole Smith. Uh, like, who's who's the next Cole Smith? And the guy says, you think there are other guys like that just sitting around? They're not. Like, so, uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's going to be a real tough one to fill. Um, they, they do have some other spots to fill, too, as you mentioned. But uh, yeah, that one is uh, that one's tough to, to fill, and you know maybe Griffin Ness can uh, help that line be what it has been for UND, a, a really good puck possession uh, unit. But obviously, uh, they're not going to fill Cole Smith's spot. It's impossible. Yeah, the loss of Smith, the other five seniors, and Tyconic means this team will be different. You know, the addition of yeah. these new players as well. That's that's just the way it is. Doesn't mean they're going to be worse or better necessarily, but they'll just be different. Again, this was a team that went twenty six five and four last year. They were eighteen one at home. They were number one in the country for the majority of the year. They were at least co favorites to win a national title last season before things, you know, derailed uh, as of as of March because yeah. of the virus. When you look at this year's group. Just from seeing what you've seen and knowing what this team has coming back, how do you think this team will be different in 2020-21 versus what we saw last year? Well, I think, number one, there there have to be 
some questions on defense. Uh, they have some really good freshmen coming in, but you also take out some really good s- seniors who have been around mm-hmm. and were really good. And th- there are freshmen growing pains. And, you know, Colton Poolman and Andrew Pesky played a ton of minutes last year and were both outstanding. As you mentioned, Andrew Pesky had a fantastic senior year. Uh, and, and, you know, Colton Poolman was so good. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to replace, you know, half their decor. And even though they're bringing in really talented guys, you know, freshmen have growing pains. And so I, I, I think that's a big question how quickly can they get up to speed there uh, how much puck possession can this team have it, it, it helps that you know you can play Jacob Bernard Docker and Matt Kierstead uh, massive minutes you can play them half the game um, it, it helps that Ethan Frisch got his feet wet as much as he did last year um, and, and he can be ready to uh, up front the, the thing that stands out is last year they were really really deep yeah. This team is really, really deep again. Um, you know, the last year is probably, you know, the, the the second, first or second deepest forward group that I've seen in my time. And this group looks like they're going to rank right up there. It, it's just they're, they're so hard to defend. You know, you, you can put back together that top line, Mismash, Adams, and Kawaguchi. And they're all seniors now. Um that unit should score a ton if they put them all together again. Uh, you get through that line, and then all of a sudden UND can throw the line with, say, uh, Pinto, Judd Caulfield, and, and Gaber. And and all of a sudden you have a really, uh, really good threats uh, on your second line. They really liked what Judd Caulfield looked like this summer. Some of those bigger power forwards take a little bit longer to develop. Um you know, he looked pretty good this summer. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, Jasper Weatherby, who was outstanding uh, this summer, you can throw him on a third line and, and pick some pretty good wingers for him, maybe Harrison Blaisdell. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of options there. And then all of a sudden, you know, send in on that, put, put that fourth line there. And um, it, it just seemed like uh, during these summer skates, it was tough to know who was going to be the guy that had a big day because there are so many different (laughs) guys who could. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we'll see this year is that, Hey, maybe Shane Pinto is going to go off one night. Maybe Kawaguchi is going to go off. Maybe it's Adams. Maybe it's Weatherby. Um, All all these guys are capable of it sending, you know, maybe he's the, you know, the guy uh, on the particular night. And um, I I think that bodes well. The other thing, uh, Coaches really love having reliable centers. And the center position was a question mark last season because they had uh, turnover with Gardner and Jones leaving. And I thought they answered that pretty resoundingly. Now, all of a sudden, your center depth, you could potentially go uh, Adams, Pinto, Weatherby, Senden. Uh, wow, that's, uh, that's a pretty good group of four centers uh, that you could uh, line up on opening day. Yeah, there are no shortage of quality options for this team on the offensive end. They have a lot, a lot of talent in those forward spots. And, you know, we we talked about this last year. Like there was a sense of the talent was there with this group last year. But 
a lot of the a lot of the numbers weren't. You know, they lost a lot of their returning scoring from the year before. There was a question mark over okay, who's going to step up, who's going to take that leap. And every time we pod, we always talk about this when we're previewing the season. Who can take a small step? Who can add a couple more goals to their tally? Who can produce just a little bit more? And instead of making small steps, we saw guys like Colin Adams, like Jordan Kawaguchi, who was again. Kawaguchi was the team's leading scorer as a sophomore, and then he almost doubled yeah. that point total last yeah. year in route to being Obi Baker finalist. I mean, those were massive jumps. That's a little bit hard to expect guys to continue that yeah. type of growth. But who do you think can make maybe a, a jump like that moving into this season? Or who do you think needs to perhaps to sort of fill in the shoes of some of the guys that have graduated now? Well, I think the two guys I saw this summer were uh, I was thinking – at times they showed the ability to become more dominant were Judd Caulfield and Jasper Weatherby. And, you know, like I I said, you you look back through the history of North Dakota big power forwards who had similar body types to those guys. Uh, Chris Vandevelde, he ended up playing in the NHL. Vandevelde, what did he have? Two, three goals as a freshman? Um, Brad Malone, NHL guy, you know, he's, he's... played a lot of NHL games. Um, what, he had one goal his freshman year. He was scratched part of his freshman year. Uh, you know, you go up and down the line and look at some of these guys who are, you know, similar to those guys, and it took time. And by the time those guys were done, they were super dominant college hockey players. But as freshmen, they sat in the stands a few nights. And so it's uh, probably not a surprise that we're seeing the same progressions with Judd and uh, Jasper. Uh, both those guys look like guys who are confident and are going to take another big step toward being uh, dominant players. And, and I think both of them have potential to be uh, really, really good this season. And we started seeing it from Weatherby last year. You know, yeah. He had... 10 goals last year and he was on the top power play unit and he he really gained a lot more confidence last year you could just see it and i I think that progression uh continues and now here's the second season for judd caulfield and uh i think judd caulfield's looking to be a dominant player in college hockey and um you know i i think there's a a high uh, uh you know a high ceiling for him that he can get to uh, at this level well we saw that i thought with judd towards the end of the season where he was kind of a rotation guy you know in and out in that first half of the campaign and pretty soon when he got paired up with Mashad and pinso on that second line you're playing with some some top top guys and he wrote really raised his game and became a contributor over the course of the second half and you mentioned weatherby who went from three goals, yeah, like almost the exact same archetype of what you talk about with Malone and Vandevelde, three goals and just two assists as a freshman. Pretty soon he's a dominant face-off guy and is in double digits in terms of goals scored as a sophomore. And now he's on the leadership team this year. And it's a former BCHL MVP that is just continuing. And just just like he did with Wenatchee, took a year or two to get used to the level of competition. And then he was outstanding when he was leading that team to a uh, Fred Page Cup. It's crazy how much yeah. sometimes you see that growth over the last couple of years. Yeah, he's a guy, you know, you're, his freshman year, uh, you say, you know, I okay player, but MVP in the BCHL, I don't see it. And then last year, you're like, okay, I, I see it. <laughs> I, I, I'm starting to see what, what he could do. So, you know, he's a guy. And one guy I'm really curious about, too, uh, I mentioned him earlier, but Harrison Blaisdell, he, in, in the summer skates, he 
turned an ankle or did something early. Uh, maybe it was like their first summer skate or something. So he missed a while. And then he came back, and he showed some flashes when he came back uh, that were like, oh, that was a pretty high-end play. So um, I don't, you know, I didn't see enough of him this summer to really get a good sense of what I think he's going to be. But the curiosity is there. Like uh, me personally, it's it's like I don't know exactly what he's going to be this year, but I'm curious to find out because um, you know he's a sophomore now. He's been through this. And, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see, like, a, a, a massive jump. But I think we could see a, a big enough one to where uh, he can uh, contribute more offensively this year. Yeah, I think he would be a candidate for that. I think Gavin Hayne would be, too, who was yeah. really banged up last season after such a strong freshman year. Just two goals and eight assists for Gavin in, in just 28 games played. But that's another high-end kid draft pick of the Flyers that has that in his game, just a matter of staying healthy and then finding the back of it a little more to gain that confidence over the course of whatever this season is going to look like. Yeah. And we're, and and, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, some of the seniors last year and those guys really took steps their senior year. Like, uh, you know, that was Dixon Bowen's best season. It was Pesky's best season. It was Cole Smith's best season. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like uh, almost all these guys, it was their best season. And so a lot of times seniors can step up. And one guy who's going to be a senior who we could see more of this year is Jackson Keene. I, I, I mm. thought he made some really skilled plays uh, in the summer skates. And he's kind of a guy who can be, uh, they can move him up and down the lineup if need be. Like he's got enough skill to where, they need a guy to fill in on the power play. They can throw him out there. Uh, you need a guy to fill in on the fourth line. You can throw him out there. You need a guy to kill a penalty. You can, you know, he's he's kind of a, a guy who can adapt to different situations and has over his career here. But I, I, I thought this summer there were several times where he made plays that kind of raised my eyebrows and were like, huh, that was, uh, you know, he, you know, he he hit a couple one timers for goals that were pretty impressive. He set up teammates quite a bit, and, um, you know, now it's his senior year. And sometimes those seniors, it's their last kick at it, and uh, they have a way of raising their game. I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, raise his game this year. He's a guy that has scored some pretty impressive goals in his career. Yes. He hasn't scored many, yeah. but he had that brilliant one against Mankato last year, that beautiful yep. tic-tac-toe type goal. And the one, I think his first career collegiate goal was against Alaska Anchorage, I think, where he dangled yeah. a guy and pushed it between the goalie's legs. You just never know. He certainly has a flair for the dramatic if given the opportunity. So another one yes, to watch, Jackson Keene. You're right. He, he has, when, when he has scored, he, he showed those, those flashes of uh, uh, his skill level. And uh, I think this summer I saw a little bit more of it than I have in past summers. So um, look for him to be a guy that, uh, like I said, has, a, has his best year as a senior. One of the groups on this team, Brad, that we're not talking about right now uh, is the goaltending group. Because, you know, yeah. there are no questions there. Really, I mean, there are questions, I suppose, of who's going to start. Really, that's probably the big question. Because last year, Adam Shield was so good over the first half of the season. And then got in a little bit of a rut and Peter Tomey came in and then was phenomenal. And they both posted incredible numbers on this amazing year for UND. How do you see that goaltender battle shaping out now that you've got Tomey as a senior and Sheila as a junior and both healthy, essentially going into the season whenever it begins? 
Yeah, so two years ago, I went out to all these summer and fall skates. And I came back to the office and I told Tom, Peter Tomey is clearly the guy. He's ahead of Shield. He's going to be the guy. Well, Adam Shield ended up being the guy. I was completely wrong. Shield was fantastic. <laughs> Last year, I went to the skates. I came back and told Tom, I said, Shield's the guy. You know, he, he's played better. Well, by the end of the year, Tomey was the guy. He was fantastic at the end of the year. So whatever I say I saw this summer, just throw it out the window because I couldn't have been more wrong both times. So this is Harrison um, Feeney's year is what you're saying. Get yes, ready for Feeney yes, time. Yeah, it might be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so going into watching these uh, my, the skates this summer, uh, I, I did that with the full knowledge that I completely blew my picks the last two years on this. Um, but no, I, I think if there's any little signs, the, the ones that uh, fans will like is, I thought that Peter Tomey had played this summer a lot like he did last year. Uh, the big difference for him uh, in previous years, he would get out of the position too far. He would come out to challenge and wasn't able to get back in his net. Uh, going side to side, he would get out too far. It wasn't able to get back. He played closer to his crease last year, used his size to his advantage, and just did not get out of position as much as he did his first two years. And the way I saw him play this summer was the same way he played at the end of last year. He was playing closer to his crease. He wasn't getting out of position. He was using his size, and he, he's tremendously uh, athletic. Uh, and and that is very obvious, and I, I thought he used that. And so um, I, I, I have no idea how goal he's going to play out this year, but, um, you know, I, I, I do think it was noticeable that Tommy continued to play the style of game that he did at the end of last year, which uh, should give uh, Carl Gehring and uh, the UND coaches some uh, maybe good headaches in trying to decide uh, who starts every night because I, I think the team is very comfortable with either guy and and goes into every night thinking uh, that uh, the goalie is going to uh, be excellent for them. It's a great problem to have. I mean, that's quite frankly, that's a, a problem any coach would take. Tommy's numbers at the end of last season, 7-1-2 and two is what he finished with as his record, but 1.37 goals against and a 9.35 save percentage and a couple of shutouts. That's, that's pretty good. And then Shield, of course, who was so good from really start to finish with, with the exception of that one little bump kind of around New Year's, but still 19-4-2, 2.07 goals against and a 9.04 save percentage. Uh, to have both those guys coming back with all that experience and all that confidence, really, yeah. that's got to be a boost to this team to be able to hit the ground running, especially with some younger defensemen playing in front of them this campaign. Yeah, and that could be big, too. Like you said, they're, they're probably going to uh, face a few more mistakes than they did last year because of those younger d defensemen, and they'll have to be uh, step up a little bit. And I remember last year, uh, Tommy came in and had some, had some good performances in the second half, but he was also facing some bottom half teams in the NCHC and you know bottom half teams in the NCHC are still really good teams so uh, but uh, I remember uh, being very curious when they came home to play Denver uh, uh, one of the top teams in the country uh, how things would go and after he shut down Denver you're like no this he's for real um, he played excellent in that series and and so um, and, and we know I mean even going back to the freshman year um, Adam Scheel, remember his record when he played ranked teams? Like he, that was some of his best games. He was, he was beating you know a lot of these top teams. So, 
I, I think that's something that uh, has to give uh, the coaches some confidence is that uh, both of these guys have track records against really good teams. It's not just that they're playing uh, stat uh, piling up against bad teams. They're, they're beating really good teams. Well, they're going to be facing really good teams later than sooner, I guess. We, are, we should be less than a month out from the start of the year, of course, October 3rd against Manitoba. That exhibition game off the books now, as are the rest of the games from now all the way until November 20th. That's the projected start date that the NCHC has said they would like to begin conference play. Uh, you had a nice sit down with Josh Fenton the other day, just chatting about all the different issues that have come with this offseason and with the upcoming season. Josh is a pretty optimistic guy. That's how it sounded in the initial release. And that's kind of what I got from the interview that you had, that, that write-up that you did last week on the Grand Forks Herald. It sounds like that they're, they're confident that the season can go ahead. Why do you think, by the way, then, because they are so optimistic, why did they decide to move things back a month and a half to November 20th versus just trying to get started in October, if they are as optimistic as they are about the state of the country and the state of college hockey? Well, okay, so Josh is an optimistic guy, and most of these um, people are going to be optimistic, right? Like, they, they, they want to show the public they're optimistic. I'm more of the, the uh, skeptic guy, right? Like, I've been <laughs> super skeptical this whole time, as you know, um, about them playing. And I'll tell you that last week is the most optimistic I have been. And it's not because I'm buying into their public statements it's because behind the scenes some of the progress they're making um uh i i think is worth the optimism like i i don't think their optimism is phony and when they first projected optimism a few months ago i questioned whether it was phony or not and i don't think it is i think there's real reason to be optimistic that this season is going to happen um i i think there are a few reasons for pushing it back i you know, there is still some work to do to get uh, testing and um, medical procedures uh, the way they want them to. Uh, I, I think they want to align the uh, the college hockey season with college basketball. The hockey people know that um, the NCAA and these schools really want the basketball season to happen. Um, yes, they want football to happen, but they really, really want that March Madness tournament to happen mm-hmm. because it's so profitable for the – it basically, uh, you know, is what makes the NCAA profitable. Uh, the, there is no fall NCAA tournament that makes money. They all lose money because keep in mind the FBS, the big – college football they do not play an ncaa tournament yeah. the bowl games that money's not going to the ncaa the the, the you know the 14 tournament they uh the playoff they institute that is not run by the ncaa so uh the ncaa does not get money from that so uh they want college basketball to happen hockey knows that so they're trying to attach their boat to college basketball which is very smart yeah um and then I, I think they're, they're still working through scheduling and financials. And one of the things, it, it, everyone's focused on the virus, which is very important, and you need to have answers to those questions in order to play. The other impact is financially. If there are no fans at these games, 
or if there are fewer, there's going to be less gate revenue these schools bring in. And there already is less revenue because of what's happening with football. So it's going to be a budget crunch. So they have to figure out how to cut, uh, you know, cut budgets and make this easier. And they're going through different scheduling models right now that will offer them opportunities to cut some of that, those budgets in during this pandemic. So the season, I, you know, right now, there's reason to be optimistic. I don't think the season is going to look like it does in a normal year where you play, uh, you know, m- maybe the, the schedules are going to be unbalanced. You know, maybe you're going to play the teams you can drive to more than you normally would. Uh, th- there are several different options out there um, that could cut expenses and, and, and cut travel difficulties and, and make it safer. Yeah, one of those potential options that has been floated out there and is now kind of starting to gain steam. I think initially mm-hmm. this idea started a bit as kind of a pipe dream of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do a bubble and bring all the NCHC teams together, just like the NHL is doing in Edmonton and Toronto. And now it's kind of gained some steam. And this is now something you've written about uh, and that's coming out this week. Um, it's going to come out after we record this, but it's going to come out. Yeah. There's there's a chance, and not even just a chance. This is a, this is almost going to happen, almost for sure. That the NCHC for the first half of the season is going to try and get all eight member institutions together to play the first half of their conference season, all in the same venue over the course of a couple of weeks between the end of November and Christmas. What a <laughs> kind of yeah. a, a, a testament to how much these schools want this to happen because this does seem extreme, but it also seems like the most practical way to save money is to, to get these games in to achieve what you want to achieve. And that's to get the season in to get the fans at least at home to be able to watch these games and to let these kids play, which is what they've wanted to do since last March. Yeah. Based on what I've heard at, at this moment, we record it. The priority is trying to figure this out. Um, there are still major hoops to jump through to making this happen. It's still uh, very preliminary, including where this would occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I, uh, you know, not just being a Grand Forks homer, but the, the facilities <laughs> at the Ralph, uh, you know, when, when the NHL is discussing hosting its tournament in Grand Forks, you know, that, that tells you the facilities, uh, it, you know, or something if if the NHL is looking at putting something there, and and we know that they t- discussed it. Um, it. It seems like that could be a possibility, but uh, like I said, there's still a lot of hoops to jump through. Josh Fenton mentioned the the challenges of the academic calendar. Um, you know that I, I think there there still may be some schools going when they're attempting to uh, if they do attempt to to pull off a bubble, but. You know, I think college administrators also are looking around and saying uh, the NHL bubble worked, the NBA bubble worked, the MLS bubble worked, the U.S. Open tennis bubble worked. Um, And now Major League Baseball, we find out uh, after some challenges during the season, said, hey, we we need to have a bubble for the playoffs. And and they're looking into that, too. So then you, you look at college basketball and. And they're starting to look at bubbles during that same time period. And so that seems to be the popular idea at the moment is to to try to do uh, bubble type things. And financially, why that helps, too, is, you know, you get a team like Miami 
that you know has to fly to like all their road games in the NCHC. Uh, all of a sudden, they can make one trip and knock out a bunch of those flight games and save mm-hmm. a lot of money. So I think that's where it makes sense financially and you know f- from a safety point of view. I, I think you know Josh Fenton said in my story there are a lot of variables that you can control if you do. And, and I don't know if it would be a tight bubble. I, I'm calling it a hub because I don't know if they would be able to completely lock them away from the public like they are able to in some of these pro uh, sports. I don't Mm -hmm. know how that would work. So I'm technically using the term hub, um, but I think they would do it as best as they can, and it it does make sense. And to do it over that time period when most kids aren't going to school and the population of college towns will be far less, say if they do come to Grand Forks, there won't be nearly as many kids uh, in Grand Forks, which... Uh, also lowers the chance of the spread of the virus. So um, it does make a lot of sense. I, I, I think <laughs> it does. No, I think so too. Anyway, it seems so sensational when you hear it the first time. Like, how are they yes. going to pull that off? But then when you start to think about it and think about the situation and think about how this conference has always been forward thinking and how they kind of always do everything the best. And this, this would sort of align then with what the NCHC is about, what these member schools are about, and how the times dictate sometimes a little more radical thinking. And it would be a treat. I know we've talked about this in the last couple of days, how much yeah. fun it would be if this actually does happen. And we have hockey either every night or these great like doubleheader or tripleheader games at the Ralph for, for a month or so. It would be a lot of fun to be in the building for those sorts of things. And we, we would be if that was yeah. the case, if the Ralph was able to hold it while we're... Again, not going to speculate that it's going to happen or not, but watch for Brad's report coming out on the Grand Forks Herald about the possibility of this uh, in the days to come. And just keep following uh, Slashman GF at Twitter, a wealth of information on the happenings, the comings and goings of college hockey as we get excited for a season that is going to start at some point for a team that we think is going to be, again, a really fun watch and a really competitive team again this season as they pursue the ninth national championship in UND hockey history. Whenever it happens, Brad, it's going to be a fun team to follow again this year. It, it is. The, that was my takeaway from watching this summer. A lot of creativity from a lot of different people. We're, we're used to seeing a lot of creativity from, you know, virtually every team's top lines. And this team showed a lot of creativity from a lot of guys on a lot of different lines. Uh, it was fun to watch. So I, so I, I hope that uh, UND fans get their chance to watch. I, I'm Like I said, I'm... I'm optimistic that they will. Uh, I think the season is, will not be a normal season by any means, but I think that's okay. Um, I, I, as long as they're able to get one in, um, I think that fans will thoroughly enjoy it. So uh, let's hope uh, that uh, everyone can uh, get things uh, uh, safely aligned to um, pull this off. Amen. We'll take what we can get. If, even if it's yes. only a 20-game a season or if they have to push it back to January or whatever it looks like, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. And, it, you know, I, honestly, in watching all these sports come back, um, is it the same without fans? No, but I, I think you adjust to it. Right. Yeah. Like I, mm-hmm. I almost think now when fans start coming back, it's I'm going to be weirded out a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to hate it. But I mean, it's 
you definitely adjust to the uh, to the the different situations, and I think we're all we would all just be grateful to uh, to have uh, games back. And and for me, it's it's been a lot of fun watching uh, sporting events again, even though they look different and feel different. Uh, it's it's fun to have it back. Yeah, a little jarring at first, but you get used to it and you're just happy that it's back in whatever form that it is. Amen. So hopefully it comes back, hopefully to Grand Forks on November the 20th. That's the target date. Brad will be there. Uh, We will be too with Midcoast Sports Network to follow this UND team throughout. Brad, thanks again so much for the time. Enjoy the, well, enjoy enjoy potentially the two plus months between now and the start of the season. We'll be following you for updates and what's going on with this UND hockey campaign all year long, buddy. For sure. Thanks a lot, Alex. Thanks for listening to this Midco SN podcast. To listen to any of our past episodes, visit midcosn.com slash podcast.